Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, this is the second Sunday of Advent, and uh, the topic is peace. Did you, did you get that? Yeah. Wonderful. So it's my honor to come and bring you the word today about peace. I was a little torn in, when I started putting this message together. I had a message that I put together that I really liked about two years ago for, for the Christmas season. Then I got sicker than a dog, stayed home for two months. And uh, I never got to share that. So I looked at that and I thought, well, yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty good stuff. And then I thought about it, prayed to ask the Lord for a little guidance. And uh, we're going to talk about peace instead. How's that? Is that all right? Peace. Wow. Let me, sh- let me start this by sharing this little story with you. You know how I love the stories. Years ago, a man found himself on a train seated between two ladies. And unfortunately for him, the two ladies were arguing constantly about whether the window should be open or shut. And the lady farthest from the window argued that she would die of heat stroke if the window wasn't open. The other lady said she would certainly catch pneumonia and die if it didn't stay closed. When the ticket taker arrived, the ladies begged him to come up with a solution. But unfortunately, he didn't have a solution. Finally, the man spoke up. He got brave. First, let's open the window. That'll kill this one. (laughs) Then let's close the window, and that'll kill the other one. And then we'll have peace. You know, a lot of people these days, yeah, it's just about the truth, isn't it? I tell you. A lot of people have a concept of peace similar to the guy on the train. His idea of peace was, hey, can we just bring the the conflict to a close here somehow? Open the window, it'll kill that one. Close the window, it'll kill the other one. The word peace is mentioned 369 times in the Bible, okay? And my commitment to you is I won't read all of the references today, okay? I promise not to do that. But if someone were to ask you, what is peace? How would you answer them? And don't, you don't have to raise your hands or stand or anything like that, but it's something I want you to ponder today as we talk about the topic of peace. How would you answer somebody if they said, well, what does peace mean to you? Is it one of the spiritual gifts? I don't know, is it? Peace is one of those things that everybody wants in their lives, but they're really not sure how to get it, how to put their hands on it. That's the purpose of this message today. 
And if they do manage to get it, what happens is, well, they don't know quite how to keep it. Yeah. We often use the phrase peace and quiet as our need to get away and slow down a little bit. Amen? We could all use a little peace and quiet. When I thought of this phrase, I thought of back when I was a kid, there was a commercial that was on the television, and a little lady was standing there and pouring the stuff in the bath, the bath salts in the bathtub, and her whole thing was, take me away, Calgon, I need a little peace. How many of you remember that one, huh? Yeah, that'll date you, won't it? But peace is more than living without conflict or anger or strife or anything like that. In Scripture, peace is not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of love, generosity, and grace. Let me repeat that again for you note-takers. In Scripture, peace is not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of love, generosity, and grace. You know, we get this mindset. We, we think we have to try to reach some level of perfection, and we have to be problem-free before we can have peace. If we can just get rid of stress and conflict in our world, if we can just get that perfect new job, everything will be okay. If we can just pay off our credit cards, get a handle on our finances finally, we will have peace. Amen? Amen. But if that's what it takes to achieve peace, chances are we're never going to get there. (laughs) Isn't that right? How many of you know that's true? So let me ask you another pertinent question this morning. What's going on in your life right now that is destroying your peace? Outside of COVID, okay? Try to think outside the COVID box just a little bit. Reflect in your own spirit and say, you know, Lord, what is it that's bugging the heck out of me right now that's stealing my joy and stealing my peace? Let me read a little quote to you. It's called, A Few Things I've Learned in Life. Life is not about how fast you run or how high you climb, but how well you bounce. In life, you need to forgive your enemies because it messes with their head. In life, every path has a few puddles. In life, don't corner something that's meaner than you are. And in life, words that sink into your soul are whispered, not yelled. Oh, for a little peace. Amen? Amen. And you know, most of us in this room, we're believers. We've been born again. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God is our Heavenly Father. And when that is the case, we have all the access we need to God's power and to all of His peace. We really do. I want to help you with that today. So the question that I've got written down here is, how do we tap into that power and that peace? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one today, we tap into the power of God through His Word. We tap into the power of God through His Word. Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, For the Word of God is full of living power. You know, if you really stop and think about it, the Word of God is our greatest source of power and our greatest source of strength. If we want to experience God's power in our lives... What do you have to do? We have to live in and saturate our lives with His Word. Bathe our minds and our spirits in His Word. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in life that we forget to get wrapped up in God. Amen? We get so busy 
especially this time of year. We're running around looking for all the best deals. Oh, my goodness. We went out and did a little Christmas shopping yesterday. Boy, I don't miss doing that, I'll tell you that. It's, uh, it's a little hectic and crazy out there, especially with all the COVID restrictions. I drove up to one store downtown Vancouver. And I just wanted to go in and look at uh, some of their wares, some of their musical instruments and different things like that. And they don't allow anybody to come into the store. You have to walk up to the little screen door that has a slot in it and tell the man what you want, and he'll go pull it off of the counter or the wall display and bring it out and take your money and shove it through the door like a, like a prisoner. I thought, well, I've never been on the outside, inside or the outside of a jail for that matter, but that's exactly what that felt like, so wow. Yeah, what a season we're in. God's power flows from a life that is filled with and consumed by his word. Amen? Number two, we tap into the power of God through prayer. This might seem a little bit simplistic and a little bit like the ABCs of, of our Christian walk. But we tap into the power of God through prayer. James chapter 5.16 in the NIV says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The King James says, Availeth much, I believe, if, if you've got a King James Bible in your lap. First Patterson says, gets the job done. That's basically it. The righteous, a prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and it gets the job done. Amen? Prayer is that key that unlocks the door into the riches of the kingdom of God. Sometimes that our failure to pray is the very thing that puts a roadblock between us and God because we all want to have that full that fruitful relationship with him, amen? But when we ne neglect to pray and neglect to communicate with him, we come up to that impasse. Wow. Number three, we tap into the power of God through other believers. Through other believers. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You know, the older I get, the more I understand that scripture. I sat down on the floor the other day to do something. Just sat down and leaned back against my recliner to do something. I can't remember what it was. And uh, when it came time to get up, it was more than a challenge. I had to reach out to my wife and lock hands. And she drug my old, tired behind off the floor and kind of plopped me back in my recliner, I tell you. If either of them falls down, no one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's power in unity, amen, with one another. When we have unity with one another, then we are on our way to experiencing God's peace. When we bind together, the Bible says, as Christians, brothers and sisters, as believers, as children of God, it makes us that much stronger. And when we're stronger, along comes life, slaps you upside the head, smacks you in the face as hard as it can. But when you've got unity and you've got other people 
that will stand with you, that will pick you up when you can't get up, that will pray with you when you can't pray for yourself, that's when life brings us better strength and better peace. Amen? Now our text today, our study scripture today, comes out of Philippians chapter 4. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Now, I'm, what? I'm four verses into this passage here. And then you will, only then and only then will you experience God's peace. There's a few prerequisites in God's Word if we want to really experience His peace. In our lives. Let me continue on. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. There's another one of those biblical prerequisites. The verse starts out, and I underlined it and made it bold. Keep putting into practice. Sometimes we get an answer from God. We get a key to our situation, something to resolve our situation. Maybe it's a problem that we bump up against often. And he gives us his word. But that verse right there just jumped out at me and said, keep putting into practice. Sometimes we do it one time and we leave it alone and we lay it down somewhere. And then being middle-aged, we forgot where we left it. Uh Uh-huh. And then we forget to go back and pick up that key in our life again to fix the situation that we find ourselves in. So keep putting into practice what you learn. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now... Unfortunately, we live in a world that is plagued with violence and hatred. Wars are being fought all over the world. You know, one of the things I I appreciate about the Trump administration, they have not taken us into another war in the last four years. There may be other things that are screwy and goofy and all that stuff, but the bottom line is, is we're not at war with anyone, and he's doing his best to get the troops out and get them home and quit doing all that stupid stuff. And uh, I'm thankful that he got rid of some of the warmongers that were on his staff that he inherited. No reason for that junk. But let me read you some historical stats that I found really interesting about this whole thing about wars being fought all over the world. Less than 6% of the time since the beginning of recorded history has the world been entirely at peace. In over 5,000 years... Only 268 of those years have been without war. That just boggles my mind. And 8,000 treaties have been broken during that time frame. When I read that, and as I typed it into the computer, I just thought, I wonder why. Why is it that down through history, recorded history, nations have to fight nations, men have, men have to rise up and fight other, other men, And then it kind of dawned on me as I read those stats, basically just because of the sinful nature of man. Fallen man 
in a sinful world uh, that causes us to break uh, those 8,000 treaties that have been spoken and signed and all of that good stuff. Jesus said these words in Matthew 24. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Sounds like Jesus was narrating the five o'clock news, don't you think? You go, on, you go to listen to the news at night and... Uh, and that's what's happening. People are fighting wars. There's battles. There's disagreements. Pardon me. I'm not tearing up over the war syndrome. I, I just have uh, I have a leaky eye. Bothers the heck out of me here. But that was Jesus' words to us in Matthew 24. And then he comes back in John 16. And he says, I'm going to move that so it doesn't bug me. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart. It's good stuff that he has offered us. Amen? The world is at odds with the purposes of God. We understand that. That's what sin does. This is Satan's last ditch effort, if you will, to try to win the war or win the battle or whatever it is he thinks he's trying to win. He's in the final seconds of the fourth quarter, and he's way behind and in a bind. But the good news is this. In spite of all of Satan's efforts, Jesus says he will give us peace. Amen? John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We can't have the peace of God until we have peace with God. Everybody get that? Am I helping anybody today with that? He says, I'm leaving you with this gift of peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. They don't even possess it. They don't have anything that matches it or even compares to it. But when it comes from Christ, when it comes from Father God, it's the peace that only he can give. And he says, so don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. The Bible says that we're all created in the image of God. Talking about having peace, the peace of God, until we have the peace with God. So the Bible says we're all created in his image. But here's the deal. If we have hatred against our fellow man, then the Bible says we have hatred against God. He created all of us equal. Amen? All in his image. So what do we have to do? We have to take care of problems between us and anybody else that might arise and catch them when they're little and small and not let them blow out of proportion, not let them grow like a weed in our lives, not ignore them and push them back thinking they'll, it'll be okay. We have to address them. We have to confront them before it turns into something that gets out of hand. See, God doesn't want us as his enemy. God wants us as his children. He wants us as his friend. He wants nothing to stand in our way of our relationship with him. So let me help you today. I'm going to give you a few more points here. Under this heading of game plan for living in the peace of God. I want to give you a few pointers to help you with that. 
Number one, we need to understand that God is in control. From beginning till end. He said he's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Everything in between is God's business, God's concern, and his plan will succeed. There's no doubt about that in my mind. We just read in John chapter 16 that he's overcome the world. We look out at it in the natural and we think, how can that be? Look what's going on. Sin is running rampant. It's way up the meter, so to speak. But through his death, he conquered sin and its power. Through his resurrection, he conquered death and its power. God's plans will never be stopped by anyone on earth. You say, well, Mike, what about all of the stuff that's gone on in history? Well, I wouldn't say that God planned it. I would say that maybe God saw it coming and possibly he allowed it. I think of the Holocaust in Germany. These days, you hardly hear about that because nobody teaches it in school anymore. When we grew up in school, we learned about things like that. Say, well, God, why did you allow that? Well, we don't know, and we won't know until we get to heaven. We can ask that question, but nothing surprises God. That's, that's what I love about God the Father. Nothing surprises him. No one can change the plans of God, no matter how hard they try. God is sovereign. He does his own thing, so to speak. He's always on the throne. And there is nobody in history, either behind us or ahead of us, that can remove him from his place. Author Larry Eisenberg summed it up best when he said, For real peace of mind in your life, we need to resign as general manager of the universe. Yeah. Let me say that again. For real peace of mind, we need to resign as general manager of the universe. I think Grace said it best last week when she said, well, I'm always giving the Holy Spirit suggestions. It's not like he ever listens to me, but, or he ever takes me up on one of my suggestions, but at least I offer them up. So God, we have to understand that God is in control. We have to embrace the idea and the fact that God is in control. Number two, we need to pray about everything. We need to pray about everything. Let me share this little story with you. I love these. Many years ago in Kentucky, there was a little boy who was being very disruptive during the church service. And after a couple of minutes, his father had to put him under his arm and carry him out of the room. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child cried out from the back of the room, Y'all pray for me now. Yeah. Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. I'm not sure that young man quite had that revelation in his spirit, but he knew what to say when he got to the back of the room because he knew what was about to happen when he got outside the church. Amen? Pray without ceasing. That means never give up on your prayers. What have you been praying for, and maybe you've gotten a little lazy on it. Maybe you haven't talked to God about it in a while. You've got to go back and hit it again. Maybe it's a promise God's put in your heart about a loved one for their salvation, a child, a spouse, uh, who knows what your prayer is about. But pray without ceasing. Go back if you've let it go. Go back and never give up on that prayer. God doesn't always answer prayers the way we want him to, but he always hears those prayers. I think he's got a filing system that is second to none. And he may not answer that prayer right then, but he doesn't ignore it. The Bible tells us that. The Bible declares that God hears the prayers of his people. 
How many of you ever seen uh, the movie with Jim Carrey about Bruce Almighty? Is it Bruce Almighty? And he's trying to keep up with all the prayers coming in on the computer. God's filing system is way bigger than that. Heavenly servers are way bigger than that. God's got it under control. And he's going to hear your prayers, each and every one of them. One of the best ways to reduce problems or confront problems in your life, I think, is turn your problem into a prayer. Turn your problem into a prayer. When something jumps up in your face, you're walking along, minding your own business, serving God, living life, loving your family, doing your job, and something jumps up in your face in the way of of a problem, I think the thing to do right then and there is to turn it into a prayer. Just stop for a moment, wherever you're at. You could be driving down the road even. Say, Father God, you see what just came into my line of sight. You see what just came into my world. And it didn't surprise you. It might have surprised me. But I pray, God, that you would take this problem and help me to turn it into a prayer so I can lay it at your feet and not have to carry it any further. A lot of times we get overwhelmed with problems, with strife in our life, and conflict and all that good stuff, but we've, we fail to pray about it. And God says, well, I'm here when you need me, okay? Is that fair? 1 Peter chapter 5 says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. You ever stop to think about that? I'm not the only one going through this mess. God's not seen it. Uh, God has seen it before. He'll see it again, and I know he'll be with me. Amen? In verse 10, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, notice that, just a little while, after you've suffered a little while, he will restore you, support you, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That's a promise you could take to the bank. Amen? Huh? That's not just foo-foo in the Bible. That's good stuff. It's real, real words of encouragement that you can live by. He'll restore you. He'll support you. He'll strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Number three today in this category. We must live with a biblical mindset. Real peace comes from a mind that focuses on a good God. Amen? And this has to be something that is intentional. This is not something that happens by osmosis. It just doesn't happen willy-nilly out of the blue. We have to be intentional about it. I've always had this thing, and, and some days I'm better at it than others, I'll admit. But I'll have a thought cross through my mind, and I know it's not from God. And typically... If I'm by myself, I'll verbalize and say right then and there, you know what, I rebuke that thought. I just did that this morning in the shower. I was taking a shower and shaving my face and getting ready for church, and a thought pattern started crossing through my mind, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of my shower, okay? I don't need that junk right now, 
And I just verbally say it. I rebuke you. Get away from me. I don't need that in my mind and in my life right now. And so if I'm by myself, that's typically what I do. I'm very intentional about it. And I noticed by the time I stepped out of the shower and I was toweling off, it wasn't a big deal. It was long gone, and I didn't have to worry about it anymore. So sometimes you're in a group of people, and maybe you can't holler out a big rebuke you, Satan. You know? Get behind me, Satan. Maybe that's not what you say when you're walking down the aisle at Macy's or something like that. But you could still mumble it under your breath and in your spirit, man, and speak to that situation and get it gone. Amen? Only Jesus Christ can bring lasting peace. That's, first of all, peace with God, and then peace among men and in nations, and then peace within our hearts. That's probably the most important right there after God is peace within our hearts. Number four. We have to live in obedience. Say, well, that doesn't sound like much fun, Mike. Well, that's okay. We have to live in obedience. Sin hampers our relationship with God. It is the roadblock that comes up in our relationship with God. The Bible tells us that obedience brings peace into our lives. Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 22. To obey is better than sacrifice. So God, God sees your sacrifice. I, when I... When I typed out this scripture, I thought of, I went to high school with a lot of kids that grew up in mainstream, old school denominational churches, and I was always interested to see what they would give up for Lent. We didn't celebrate Lent at the Pentecostal church, um, but I learned enough about it to know that when the Lenten season came, they were giving up something, and typically it was because their folks force-fed them. So they'd say, well, you know, for Lent, I'm giving up eating chocolates, I can't think of a good reason to give up eating chocolate. Um, or some of, the, some of the older kids that were a, a little bit rowdy, well, I'm, I'm going to give up my smokes for, for Lent. I'm, I'm not going to smoke during, and I don't, anybody know how long Lent is? 40 days. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day, don't you? Even at my age. 40 days of Lent. So I thought about this, this whole thing, to obey is better than sacrifice. God sees your sacrifice, but he, he doesn't really, it doesn't hold much weight, okay? But to obey the voice of God, to obey his word, and say, Lord, yeah, I'll take a step in that direction if I need to. And it really has nothing to do with 40 days of Lent. To obey is better than sacrifice. And here's the deal. We can enjoy the blessings of God because he gives them to those who obey. His word declares it. And his word is filled with promises over and over and over again to help us get through the problems of our every day-to-day life. Amen? Lamentations 3 and 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. I love this passage. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I am so grateful for that promise in God's word. Because Lord knows I've made some bad choices in my life. I've made some dumb decisions, some stupidity mistakes, you know. But what's so great is God's forgiveness. As long as I go to him, his forgiveness and his grace to forgive me is right there available to me. All I got to do is ask. And one of the things in my life that I notice is I'm better off with that if I acknowledge it first of all, and then I verbalize it second. If I'll say to the Lord, open my mouth, 
I think I've shared this, this with you. I do that when I'm walking around my house on a study day. I've been at the desk. I've been sitting too long. I need to get away from the computer and air out my brain. I'll just walk around the house and tell God how much I love him and how much I thank him for his many blessings in my life. I firmly believe we've got to acknowledge it and we've got to verbalize it. So as we celebrate this season of Advent that we're in, we're in our second week. We've got a couple more weekends of this Advent season. We need to remember that the peace that Jesus gives is not just the absence of trouble or, confl- or conflict or strife, but rather it is the confidence that he is there with you always. He's right there with you always. The word says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we can stand on that promise. Amen? Let me read read you a couple little more uh, antidotes here. Peace is to live a life that is characterized by flourishing, completeness, and wholeness. Let me say that again. Peace is to live a life characterized by flourishing, completeness, and wholeness. And this one here, this little quote, Michael's going to put it up on on the screen. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus... No peace. Isn't that great? So true and uh, so simple. So simple, a little two-liner. If we don't have Jesus, we're not going to experience the peace that he talked about. Amen? But when we know him and he's our personal savior, it's a whole different story. Boy, in this season, when you need a little peace, Remember what God's word says. And uh, remember what God's word says. It's not just an absence of conflict or strife. But it's knowing without a shadow of a doubt that he's there with you. Locked arms with you at all times. Carrying you when you couldn't carry yourself. Amen. Amen. So glad for that today. And when you need a little peace, just hum that song. And uh, give me Jesus. Amen.